Next on BYU Sports Nation, it's official. BYU and Washington will line it up in San Francisco for the Fight Hunger Bowl. ESPN's Trevor Maddich sizes up the Cougars and Huskies. We're live with the sideline reporter for UW. What's the mentality of this Washington team in transition and why the Huskies need this win? Plus, BYU basketball score 96 in a loss. What's stopping Cougar hoops from taking down a top 25 team and what they learned from the setback in Springfield? Let's go. And now, live on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio, it's BYU Sports Nation with your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Monday, December 9th, bring it on. BYU Sports Nation back at it. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with Grammar Master, Stat Specialist, and an overall good dude, Jerem Jordan. I am two of those things. <laughs> Which two? Don't answer that question. <laughs> Wherever and however you may be listening, thanks for making us part of your day. National Football League notes to kick off the week. Dennis Pitta. Yeah. Thought he was going to be out for the year, maybe out for his career with that dislocated hip injury. Well, guess what? He's back in a Baltimore Ravens uniform and making a difference. Six catches, 48 yards, and a touchdown as he hooks up with his good friend Joe Flacco in a Baltimore Ravens win yesterday. Also, Austin Collie signed with the Patriots for the second time this season. He had a catch in New England's dramatic win. And Ziggy Ansa, his solid rookie season continues. He leads Rooks with seven sacks. He had three tackles in a very snowy Lions loss at Philadelphia. Good to see some Cougars getting it done in the NFL. Dude, I loved this weekend. My wife and baby have gone up to my wife's hometown two weeks you know, before Christmas. They're hanging out there. So I was by myself this weekend, and Saturday I was going to drive up to your place in Saratoga Springs Stupid and hang snow. out. But the freeway was terrible, and I didn't feel like driving three hours round <laughs> trip. So I went back home, and I literally just sat and watched all the wonderful sporting events all day, including a disappointing finish in the Real Salt Lake game of local interest. Jerem had corn nuts stuck to his <laughs> arm. I haven't taken a shower in four days. <laughs> Run Burgundy. <laughs> but it was great. And then Sunday uh, wasn't feeling well, so snuck in some games that I wouldn't have. Missed a little Sunday school in uh, Elder Scrum. But, uh, yeah, great game. El- uh, Vikings Vikings and uh, Ravens. What a, what a game. Dennis Pitta catches the TD pass at the end in the snow. They're like 36 points in the fourth quarter. There are 25 points or something in the final two and a half. And the Ravens win. Fantastic. A great, great weekend of football, both on Saturday and on Sunday. Oh, and the six, a 64-yard field goal. That's a new NFL record. Matt Prater for the Broncos. Fantastic. Did he do it at sea level, though? You know, oh, he did it in the they, mile. I if this were track and field, was it wind-aided? <laughs> they don't count the 100-meter dash if it's 64 wind-aided. 64 yards is ridiculous. That's crazy. That is crazy. But, uh, yeah, football, it's a great thing. You can always join our conversation by tweeting at BYU Sports Nation, by the way. Comment and like our Facebook page and weigh in on today's poll question at BYUTVSports.com. It goes a little something like this. What do you think of the matchup with Washington? Tell us on Twitter, at BYU Sports Nation. We'd also like to quantify it a little bit. So on BYUTVSports.com, the specific poll question is, how many stars do you give the Fight Hunger Bowl matchup with Washington? You have five options, and I bet you can guess what those five options are. Yes. Five, four, three, two, one. What what do you go with on the poll question? How many stars do you give it? I like the matchup. I'm going to say four. Yeah, four I think is on the button. It's way better than BYU's matchups in uh, the previous couple of games. We'll talk about it. A friendly reminder, you can listen to BYU Sports Nation each and every weekday, noon Eastern, 10 a.m. Mountain, right here on BYURadio.org, Sirius XM Channel 143, the BYU Radio iOS app, and Dish Network Channel 980. The show on demand every day on BYURadio.org. And if you don't know, you can catch our rebroadcast each day, 7 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Mountain on BYU Radio. That is a little more conducive for some of our listeners, so take advantage. Rise and shout, my friends. It's time for Monday's edition of What's Trending. What's Trending in BYU Sports Nation. Topic 1. Big test or big bust? The matchup between BYU and Washington presenting some big questions. Which team's most motivated? Which team benefits from a win most? And why does the Fight Hunger Bowl feel like they got a steal with the Cougars and Huskies? Well, here's the executive director of the bowl, Gary Cavalli. He joined BYU Sports Nation live last Friday and explained why UW-BYU, the matchup, is an intriguing one. 
Well, you know, we feel very fortunate um, if it if it pans out that way that we would have two eight and four teams. There will be a lot of bowl games this year matching teams that are six and six or seven and five or you know one team that's six and six or seven and five so to be able to match two eight and four teams two really quality teams you know that were in the top 25 part of the season in washington's case and knocking on the door in byu's case uh we just think that's that's a great matchup similar circumstances for the cougars and huskies like Gary just mentioned, both teams, eight wins, four losses. Both of those teams within the eight victories have some solid Ws. But both couldn't win the quote-unquote huge games. BYU losing late in the season to ranked Wisconsin and then losing in South Bend to ranked Notre Dame. Washington at one point was 4-1 and one this season. They had Oregon in Seattle, and that started a rough three-game stretch for the Huskies. Where Lost they to kind Stanford of, the week before, and then Oregon, and then Arizona. They kind of faded a, a little bit, but those, Arizona State, yeah. those are really, really good teams that uh, Washington lost to. That's a brutal stretch for them to go through, but they finished the season strong with wins, a blowout win over Oregon State. They knocked off rival Washington State, and so they win four or five to close things out. Two teams with, yeah, similar records, but... Again, who who benefits most in this game from a win moving forward? That's a great question because Washington, with the new head coach, Chris Peterson from Boise State, would really like to get this win and springboard into next year. And you think about it, in a year where they... That Washington's like BYU, where they feel like a game or two better would have made a huge difference in the season. I think that BYU fans think, you know what, if we had 9 or 10 wins... Uh, we'd feel a little differently about the year. 8-4 and four is solid. With this schedule, granted it didn't have the number of ranked teams at the time on it, but the overall strength of the schedule was the best BYU's ever played. You emerge with eight wins. That's pretty good. The one that BYU fans will never get over, and I won't get over, is losing to Virginia. If you win that game, you have nine wins. You have nine wins. You go 9-3 and three in that schedule, which is excellent, and then maybe you win 10. But uh, BYU can emerge with nine wins, which was the barometer for me before the season started and before we saw how things played out and what Robert and I would do and how good Taysom Hill would be and blah, blah, blah. I thought nine wins would be good. So who needs it more? I don't know that either team needs it more than the other. I think both want it pretty bad. BYU, listen to this. They had six wins this year against teams that are eight and four or better, all in bowl games, and only a handful of teams... High echelon teams can claim that. Okay, listen to this stat. This is fantastic. At Coaches BTN tweeted this out last night. Eight teams ended 2013 with six wins versus teams with winning records. Florida State, Auburn, Ohio State, Stanford, Missouri, Alabama, Michigan State, and BYU! (laughs) That's a strong schedule. BYU is the only team in that, I believe, not ranked in the top 15. Yes. Or not, yeah, unranked at all. So quality wins. Goes back to what I was saying. Good wins, but did not finish the season with by taking advantage of the opportunities against those ranked opponents. So they're they're outside of the top twenty five, but they still get a really good team in Washington. Now a lot of people wanted USC. And I said, I said last week, if Utah State beats Fresno State, there is an outside chance that BYU and USC could match up in the fight Hunger Bowl. Well, the Aggies fought hard. They lose by seven against Fresno. Fresno win the Mountain West Conference. They're in the Las Vegas Bowl automatically. They were going to be in there no matter what. That's what changed what you were kind of thinking. You, they, we thought that Utah State had a chance to be in the Vegas Bowl. They didn't. It was going to be Fresno State for a while. Fresno State, USC. So that's Vegas Bowl. They get the matchup they want. BYU has now Washington with an interim coach situation. Tuiasa Sopo, I believe, yeah, former let's, quarterback. Let's all say it together just so the next couple weeks are easier on everybody. Marcus Tuiasa Sopo. Yeah. Woo. Okay, so interim coach situation for Washington. People are like, yeah, well, it, it loses some of its luster because Sarkeesian's gone. He's going to USC, and Chris Peterson's coming in. And so, look, would you rather play? UTEP in the New Mexico Bowl in 2010, <laughs> Tulsa in the Armed Forces Bowl in 2011, San Diego State in the Poinsettia Bowl in 2012, or, or Rutgers in the Pinstripe Bowl like Notre Dame, or, or Washington, yeah, a good Washington. Pac-12 team in the Fight Hunger Bowl. It's they're, good. They're a team that was ranked at one point this season before that brutal stretch of Stanford, Oregon, and Arizona State. How many teams would have lost all three of those games? 
a lot because Stanford, Oregon, and Arizona State are all really, really good teams. So Washington is a quality club. They have one of the best running backs in the country, whom I'm guessing is going to go to the NFL draft after this game, Bishop, Bishop Sankey. Sankey. Ran for Bishop over 1,700 yards. Yeah. <laughs> all the irony. <laughs> and then Keith Price is a really good quarterback. Do they want to impress their coach? Do they? I mean, how important is it for Washington to get that ninth win before Chris Peterson comes in compared to BYU? How important is it for the Cougars to extend their career or their, uh, I guess, franchise best, their their school best four-game bowl win streak? There are a lot of things on the line, a lot of important things going on. Yeah, the, when you put the bowl game in perspective like you just did, it's really good. And look, Notre Dame is the independent, right? They're one of the programs nationally. They're playing Rutgers in the pinstripe bowl. This is better. Tom Homo has lined up a better situation for BYU this year. Now, Notre Dame goes all in for a BCS game. They do. They get nine wins. They qualify because they're Notre Dame. But BYU's got a great matchup. I'm excited about it on December 27th. We'll ask Elise Woodward, the sideline reporter for UW Football, what she thinks about uh, this matchup and which Washington team will show up on the 27th in eight minutes. By the way, BYU is taking off. Uh, you know They're not practicing for a while. December 19th is a Thursday. That's the first time BYU will start practicing. Uh, they've been lifting and conditioning every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday uh, until then. So the more I talk about this matchup, and we asked off the top, big test or big bust, I think this is a huge test for BYU in terms of motivation and getting to that ninth win, which would give them a better season than last year and thus show progress with a more difficult schedule. Topic two. All right, basketball friends. How about the Cougars and Massachusetts? I kind of feel like they're just not quite there. The basketball team is close, but not quite into the top 25. So, my question is, what does BYU have to do to take down a top 25 caliber opponent? What are they missing? What is the element that is not there for BYU basketball? The Cougars put up 96 points in a loss against a very good UMass team. And in my opinion, I think UMass is the best team BYU has faced all year. I disagree. I think it's Wichita State. But UMass is a really good team. The three teams that BYU's lost to, they're good. They're all tournament teams. They're all teams that I expect to possibly be in the Sweet 16, if not further. Here's BYU head coach Dave Rose earlier this season talking about the need of veteran players to help carry this team early on. The three of those guys, Kyle, Maddie, and and, and, uh, Tyler, will really have to, uh, I mean, they're just going to have to be really good early, really consistent for us and let the younger guys grow through it. But I expect the younger guys, to, the new guys, to, to have big nights. Uh, hopefully we can find a, three or four of them that will be consistently good every night, and that'll be our challenge. Jeremy, you and I have talked a lot about the game on Saturday, and when BYU is overmatched down low, UMass clearly was the, athletic, uh, the athletically superior team in the post, long Lengthy, confident. BYU has to compensate for that in some way, whether it be speed, three-point shooting, transition buckets, whatever. There has Turnovers. To, there has to be something that equalizes that. And with UMass shooting the ball so well and dominating down in the post, Tyler Hawes was great, and he's one of those veterans that Dave Rose talked about, but they they just didn't have enough from everybody else to make up for those disadvantages in the post and with UMass shooting the ball so well from downtown. BYU offensively was more than good enough to win. They scored 96 and shot 49%. They scored 96 points and and lost. Man, Stanford just told us, man, that stinks, doesn't it? Uh, From the free throw line, BYU went 26 of 33, 79%. Excellent. The issue was defensively. You mentioned the post. It's not just the post. It's the penetration through the zone to get to attack the middle of the floor for easy buckets at the rim. Uh, not to mention shooting. So UMass had it all. They had it going. Chaz Williams, amazing. In 34 minutes, 32 points, 15 assists. That's is that, amazing. Is that good? Uh, that's good. <laughs> Including five three-pointers. Not to mention, what was it, uh, Putney. The dude's like 6'9", 
wingspan of like eight five or something crazy. It's, it's just so long. Dropping twenty five footers. Yes, you can't stop it. Like if a guy's gonna make those shots, that's tough. One one thing that really bugged me, by the way, whenever a team plays on a court with NBA lines, the zone always extends out to those lines. Why? Let guys shoot NBA threes. The percentage will dip 5 to 10%. So the zone got extended a little bit naturally through that. And BYU, on, uh, defensively, the ball got to the middle and then could, could get to the rim or swing wide for open looks. And it was too much. Giving up 105 points, not going to get it done. UMass is really good. I think BYU is a good team, though. So it, it's disappointing that in the three losses that BYU has, all against ranked undefeated teams, these are good teams, the BYU couldn't steal one. And that one was Iowa State. Teams like UMass are always an awful, awful matchup for BYU. Think about teams that are like UMass that BYU has faced in the past. New Mexico, traditionally was a horrible matchup for BYU because they recruit those type of players. Long, athletic, good shooters, post-dominance. Texas A&M beat BYU two years in a row in the NCAA tournament with a roster like that. UNLV, traditionally a really difficult matchup for BYU when they played in the Mountain West because they're just like that team. And then you look at, I mean, even Iowa State, not as long as UMass, but kind of play the same style. They want to they get to you down low. They want to bang around in there, cause a lot of contact, and their guards are super athletic, can fly around, and are all good shooters, and are all like over 6'6". Just tough matchups. It's never worked out well for BYU. The reason I feel like UMass is the best team BYU has played is not only, one, because they have the number 1 RPI and they have played a ridiculous schedule with wins at Clemson and now over BYU and at New Mexico. But because BYU does not match up as well with UMass as they did with Wichita State. I felt like BYU had a better opportunity to beat Wichita State than they did UMass because of matchups alone. I think that UMass beats Wichita State head-to-head. The concerning thing here is that this is the type of game that you might see in a first round in the NCAA tournament. If BYU is, let's say they get in barely, they're an 11 or 12 seed, this is the kind of game they could be playing. Against a, a five, four or five seed, um, BYU wouldn't be a 13 probably, but you you got to be able to pull off that upset if you want to advance in a tournament when it's most meaningful. These are good games BYU's lined up, though. If BYU can leverage this in, and we've been talking about it, BYU's got to do it, but if they can leverage this into a win at Oregon and then beat Gonzaga on the road and or St. Mary's, then it's worth it, right? We can look back and go, you know what? Going 0-3 against those teams, that was fine because BYU learned and got better. But if BYU doesn't, then it's just another loss. BYU has Prairie View A&M on Wednesday. Then they're at the Huntsman Center in Salt Lake City for a big-time matchup against rival Utah before traveling to Oregon on the 21st, another ranked team. So there's still one ranked non-conference opponent out there for the Cougars to take down. Dave Rose still trying to figure some things out. That's what the non-conference is there for, and that's why BYU, I believe, will succeed in West Coast Conference play despite numerous losses, tough losses to these ranked teams. Hey, coming up on BYU Sports Nation, More on this bowl game breakdown. Is it an unmotivated Huskies team in transition or a motivated team looking to impress their new coach? We'll ask the radio sideline reporter Elise Woodward next. You're listening to BYU Sports Nation. We'll be back with more BYU Sports Nation right after this. This is Nate Austin, and you are tuned in to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan here. You can follow us on Twitter at Spencer underscore Linton and at Jerem Jordan. Join the show's growing Twitter following at BYU Sports Nation. Tonight on True Blue, Eric Mika is in studio. I don't think he's going to wear his goggles, but he's in studio. Blaine Fowler previews the matchup with Washington and the basketball game with Prairie View A&M and Utah. Plus, features on Whitney Young and the women's volleyball team. Sweet 16! Nice to work, ladies and Jennifer Hampson of the women's basketball team. Watch True Blue with David Can tonight at 8.30 Eastern on BYU TV and listen on BYU Radio. Our Twitter question today, 
How do you feel about the Fight Hunger Bowl matchup with Washington? In fact, how many stars on a scale of one to five, five being the best, how many stars would you give BYU's matchup with the Washington Huskies? And on that note, we welcome in our first live guest today, Elise Woodward, the host of Elise and Jerry on Sports Radio KJR 950 AM and sideline reporter for UW Games on KJR. Elise, welcome to BYU Sports Nation. How's it going? Thanks for having me. We're doing really well. Uh, personally, Jeremy and I are, are excited about this BYU-Washington matchup. We now, wait, say- now, wait a minute. Let's talk about the most important thing here. I'm a diehard Mariners fan. How is Robinson <laughs> Cano's signing being received in Seattle? <laughs> you know, I think that the fans are excited to actually have something to talk about. The apathy here in Seattle in regards to the Mariners is at an all-time high. and But it's been forever. It, I have a 10 and an 8 year old boy. They've ne- they haven't been alive since the Mariners have played postseason baseball. They have no idea what it is. So for the Mariners to do anything of significance, people are pretty excited. But there's a scathing report uh, on the Seattle Times that was put out yesterday by Jeff Baker about Howard Lincoln and the upper management of the Mariners. So despite the great news of Robinson Cano and it's exciting, you get one of the best five players in baseball. Uh, it's just there's a lot of negativity surrounding that organization right now, for sure. All right. Well, now, thank you for that, at least. I appreciate that. Now we can talk about the Huskies and Cougars. <laughs> we had to get Jerem's yeah. selfish Mariner motives out of the way. Well, thanks, <laughs> Jerem. Uh, yeah, BYU-Washington, we're both excited about the matchup. We both gave it four stars on that scale of one to five. How does Washington and the fan base up in the Seattle uh, area and all of the alumni feel about the matchup in the Fight Hunger Bowl with BYU? You know, to be really honest, I don't even know how much people have turned their eye towards BYU. It has been an unbelievable week of football for the University of Washington. Just over a week ago, the Huskies were preparing for their other Cougar opponent in the Apple Cup, the Washington State Cougars, and that was a big game. They were down by a touchdown at halftime. It was pretty stressful. They came out and now played Washington State in the second half, and then uh, you know, almost immediately after the rumors started flying that Steve Sarkeesian was going to head to USC, and indeed he left. So then it was the new coaching search and who was going to coach the bowl game. Uh, and Marcus Tuiasosopo, the Rose Bowl MVP, and uh, you know the quarterback for Washington uh, back in the early 2000s. He is the interim coach for now. But we're waiting for a noon press conference today when they introduce Chris Peterson from Boise State as the new head coach to hear his thoughts about who's going to be on the Washington coaching staff, who's going to really be coaching that bowl because so many of the assistant coaches followed Steve Sarkeesian down to USC. There are so many unanswered questions right now just about who's going to be coaching that I don't even know if people have started even going down the preview sheet of, hey, BYU's 8-4, and four, and this is the, the matchup, and that's probably down the line, to be honest. Right now, it's like the bare essentials of who's even going to be out there trying to prepare this team. What do uh, Husky fans think of the hire of Peterson, given Washington beat Boise State? They hired a coach they beat by 32, right? Yeah, they crushed him in the season opener, and that was a really big game. It was the first game in the newly remodeled uh, Husky Stadium, and there was a ton of hype. And uh, Washington saw Boise State last year in the Las Vegas Bowl and lost by two points, and a lot of people felt like Washington should have beat Boise State in that game and they had all off season to prepare and to be motivated and revenge on their minds. And the opening of Husky Stadium, and it was a really big deal, and they saw Boise State I think the Husky fan base is ecstatic about getting Chris Peterson. He is a proven head coach that has had a tremendous amount of success. This year was the first year where, you know, they just they didn't win 10 games under Chris Peterson. He's been 92-12 and 12 at Boise State. I think he's one of the best X's and O's coaches in the nation. Uh, I think the one question that is probably at the top of every Husky fan's mind is how he's going to recruit in the Pac-12 when he does have the resources of the University of Washington, the brand-new facilities, that he can go after the four- and five-star guys that he couldn't get at Boise State consistently. Uh, Can he get those guys and bring them in and land them at UW when you're competing against Oregon and USC and UCLA and Stanford? And, you know, the Pac-12 conference right now is just ridiculously strong with some great coaches that can secure recruits. So he's the level of competition goes up significantly in the recruiting realm. I think that's where he has to prove himself. But in terms of 
coaching football and being X's and O's and preparing game plans, I don't, I don't know if there's a guy that he takes second fiddle to. I think everybody knows what he's been able to do with talented, with rosters that aren't as talented as Pac-12 teams. He's, he's eight and two versus the Pac-12 in his career at Boise State. Two of those wins coming over Oregon, uh, you know, a win over Washington, that went over Oregon, you know, two wins over Oregon State. He's, he's been really good with recruits where I think he's, he's coached them up. Um, which is obviously really encouraging for Husky fans. Elise Woodward, the host of Elise and Jerry on Sports Radio KJR 950 AM in the Seattle area, also sideline reporter for UW Games on KJR. Elise, there are mixed reviews about BYU's season. Uh, They have good wins against Texas, Houston, Boise State. You can kind of say the same thing about Washington. Uh, they got off to a great start, blew out Boise State. They finished the season strong with uh, wins against Oregon State in blowout fashion, and then they handled the Apple Cup, as you just mentioned. But in BYU, here here on across BYU Sports Nation, people are kind of like, well, it's kind of a what-could-have-been scenario. How has the season been gauged for Washington at 8-4? and four? You know, Washington had a, an interesting year where they set all kinds of records offensively. They outscore their opponents. I think the final tally after the Apple Cup was by 15 points per game. So there's a lot of stats that you look at that say they should have won more than eight games. There are four losses. Just imagine three of them on the road at Stanford in a game. They outplayed Stanford in every element except for in kickoff return coverage and in punt return coverage. Their special teams got abused by Stanford. It was one of those games. They had more yards. They had more time. They had everything offensively and defensively. They outplayed Stanford on the road, but they didn't get the win, and that was a frustrating game. They go on the road against UCLA. They have two turnovers in the, on their first two possessions. They get down 14 to nothing. They crawl back. They lose their starting quarterback, Keith Price, at halftime. Their backup quarterback goes in. They end up crawling back in it. They're only down by three. Uh, UCLA gets a late touchdown, and, and they pull away. But they lose by 10, 41-31 at UCLA. Their other loss on the road, they didn't bring it. Arizona State, they, just, they were not prepared in that game. Washington wasn't. But those are three teams that have all been in the top 15 in the BCS standings this year on the road. Those are their three losses on the road. Their other loss this season was to Oregon at home. And an Oregon team that I felt that was one of their, if not their best team, their best game of the season. Marcus Mariota in that game was phenomenal. Before he hurt his knee, they looked great. So the four losses Washington has this season are and all losses that you look at it that they weren't favored in any of them. They didn't get upset this whole season. It just for them, you would have liked to have seen them get that signature win this season. That last year they beat Stanford top 10. Last year they beat Oregon State when they were top 10. They've beaten USC. They've gotten these signature wins in previous seasons under Steve Sarkeesian. They just didn't get it this year. They were close, but, you know, they're 8-4, and four, but all four losses uh, were ones that, you don't, you know, it's pretty expected, really. It, it, they, weren't, they weren't games that they were favored in anyway. Elise Woodward uh, joins BYU Sports Nation from KJR in Seattle. Uh, in 15 seconds or less, Elise, uh, does Washington need this need this win, or are they just going to reset after this with a new coach? You know, to gauge their motivation this game is going to be really difficult because they don't have a coaching staff right now in place to coach. Marcus Tuiasosopo was named the interim head coach, and everybody has a tremendous amount of respect for him, but he's only been on the sideline for three years, two years down at UCLA, and then this year as the quarterback coach at Washington. So I think it's really hard for the players who had their entire coaching staff ripped apart so then are they going to come out fighting against BYU or are they just going to come out and say, hey, this game doesn't matter, we have a whole new coaching staff in place? It's, it's, their motivational factor is going to play a huge part in this, and right now I think it's really hard to gauge. Elise Woodward uh, from KJR Radio in Seattle. We appreciate the time and the great insight as BYU and Washington get set for the fight Hunger Bowl on December 27th in San Francisco. Good stuff, and uh, hopefully we'll be talking to you again soon. Yeah, I think probably after today at noon with the press conference, we'll have a lot of these questions answered. But, uh, you know, check back in anytime, guys. <laughs> Thanks, that's, We prognosticate. That's what we do. Well, there you go. That's, that's what we all do, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks so much for the time. Hey, no problem, guys. Have a great one. 
What would you rank the BYU-Washington matchup in the Fight Hunger Bowl as on a scale of one to five stars, five being the best? That is our poll question today on BYUtvsports.com. And our Twitter question is really just how do you feel about the matchup? And we go to social media now for some responses. At CRBright82, he says, I think a win against a Pac-12 team will end 2013 on a high note. Certainly. No, No doubt. Nine wins. It's funny, you came in and you're like, Kind of feeling bummed about BYU sports right now, just just a little as, you know, and and I understand that I wa- emotion. I wanted to beat UMass. I understand that emotion, but and I then, want ten plus wins in football. Then we look back at where we thought we were we BYU would be after after this schedule this year, and we both said, yeah, I, I thought eight nine wins would would be a great I season. Said nine specifically. So if BYU wins, they're right where I thought. A good season, like I'm talking. I'm not talking about what's good. I'm talking about. No, I am talking about what's good. I'm talking about where the line is of disappointment and satisfied, right? And the line is nine. So if they get nine wins, the line are, is are eight you and okay? a half. Are you okay? <clears throat> okay is the right word. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm not like, yeah, that was a great season. We're gonna. Di-. It's hey, that was a good season. Did you not say I nine wish... wins would be a great season with this? No, no, schedule? no. Great, no. Great is you can never say great <laughs> with single digit wins. Don't be crazy. Don't bring crazy here. <laughs> okay, what's better than great? Is great the ultimate? Is that the Dude, top? Great is BCS. Great, great is, BC- is BCS. See, I would say remarkable or awesome or unbelievable is BCS. I would say great is like nine wins. Great is really like twelve or thirteen wins. Okay, very good. 10 to 11. The gra- Good is 9. The grammar master. Back at it again. I am not a grammar master. I'm just a <laughs> fickle fool. Okay, we go back to Twitter. At King Ranch 51 Bishop Sankey, Washington's running back, will run for 200 yards on our BYU's defense. I know Bishop Sankey is a beast. Like I, he's he's going to the league. There's no way that guy's coming back with a new coach and trans. He's gonna go. He's he's good enough. He's done enough. He has enough NFL buzz that he's gonna get a decent draft pick. So while while he is amazing, I don't think Bishop Sankey's gonna run for 200 yards on our defense. He has the third most rushing yards in the country. 1775, 18 touchdowns. He's gonna go for two hundy against BYU. No, no. He's really good. He is. Two hundreds a lot though. But 200's not a lot for him. You're going with the King Ranch? You, you agreeing with King Ranch 51? I don't think that he'll go for 200, but I wouldn't be surprised if he went for 130 plus. At FinDaddy81, it's scary. They have a great running back, Sankey, and a talented QB, Keith Price. Even with the new coach, BYU has not proved they can stop a talented running back. What about Texas's running backs? Were those guys not talented? They're good. They're not Bishop Sankey, though, you know. And Keith Price is good. Okay, Washington, eighth in the country in total offense. They're really good. They're really good. BYU's 14th by comparison. So we'll see what happens here. And the, These teams are very similar, where they may have peaked against the same team, Boise State. 38-6 to in a victory near the beginning of the season for Washington. Then they beat Illinois. They beat Idaho State. They beat Arizona. They're 4-0, feeling good, ranked in the teens. Then they lose to Stanford by three. And when Elise Woodward, who just joined us moments ago, talked about that game, I remember that game distinctly because I remember thinking, can Washington get over the hump and beat a good team? They're uh, the best middle of the Pac-12 team, I guess, if you could say. Is that even cool? You're the best of the middle of the pack? Uh, and they lose that game by three. Then the next week, they're 4-1, and one, still ranked. Game day goes to Seattle. Everyone's all excited for Washington, Oregon. They lose by 21 to Oregon. Then they lose by 31, no, 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 20, 21 uh, to Arizona State. Listen to their current rankings. 19. Rank. What are the current rankings of those teams right now, though? Awesome. Yeah. Stanford, I believe, is top five. Okay, Stanford is Oregon fifth. 10. Oregon is 10. Arizona State is 14. <laughs> two of those three on the road. Back to back to back, and two of the three on the road. That's where I was going. That's why Woo! I feel like BYU and Washington are sort of in the same place. They were hoping they'd be a game or two better. They played a tough schedule. Washington, a tougher schedule, obviously. But uh, now they match up. But Washington, but at least Woodward's interview told us what? That Washington's super distracted. They're, oh, how can you not be? They have so how much else going on. How can you not be? 
What do you think of the matchup? Well, I don't know because we're talking about Chris we Peterson. We haven't even thought about BYU. Marcus Tuiasasilpo is the interim coach. and the, Yeah, there's a lot of other stuff going on. That was really insightful stuff from Elise Woodward, the radio sideline reporter for KJR in Seattle. If you missed it, we'll have that on demand uh, in just a couple of hours on BYURadio.org, as well as you can catch it on the rebroadcast, 5 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Eastern on BYU Radio. We'll have more of your uh, Twitter debate uh, coming up on BYU Sports Nation. How many stars do you give the Fight Hunger Bowl matchup with Washington? We'll ask Trevor Maddich that next. He joins us for another Maddich Monday from ESPN. What does Trevor think about the Fight Hunger Bowl matchup between the Huskies and Cougars? Plus much more is BYU Sports Nation. Stay with us. We'll have more BYU Sports Nation right after this. Rise and shout, Cougar fans. This is Taysom Hill, and you are listening to BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on B to the Y to the U Radio. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan hanging out in Studio 2. We're live in the beautiful BYU broadcast facility. Wednesday night on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Men's basketball hosting Prairie View A&M live at 9 Eastern. Basketball team trying to bounce back after a tough road game in the birthplace of basketball, Springfield, Massachusetts, against undefeated and number 1 RPI UMass. Great game. BYU scores 96 and lose by 9. Do you really feel um, the the same way about uh, the discussion during the break? Do you really feel that way? So Jeremy and I are, dis- are trying to quantify what, what would uh, determine a great season for BYU. Normally, with BYU's past and the fact that they played in the WAC and the Mountain West Conference, and you, a great season would require... 10 to 11 wins because they play. No, no, no. Great is 11 would be in those conferences. In those conferences. No, it, even higher. 12 or 13 would be great. <laughs> 10 or 11 is very good. 12 or 13 would be amazing. Amazing trumps great. Great. There's nothing better than great to me. <laughs> so, so you say, oh. you, you've told me that great is 9 to 10 wins. Look at BYU's schedule. Look at BYU's you, schedule. So, if BYU beats Washington, you're going to call this a great. Season? I'm calling it a good season. To be continued. This conversation will go on later. Maybe we should bring Let's ask in, Trevor. Maybe we should bring Trevor Maddich in. It's another Maddich Monday, and Trevor, ESPN college football expert, joins us live on BYU Sports Nation. Jeremy and I are talking about what would qualify as a great season for BYU. If they get to nine wins and handle Washington, can BYU look at this as a great season? What do you think? They can look at it as a good season. Yes, my <laughs> man Trevor Maddich. Any season that you don't beat Utah is not a great season. Okay. Boom. Okay. If you win the national championship, then it'll still be a burr under your saddle for the rest of your life if you don't beat Utah. But so, but it's a good season. You know, they beat Georgia Tech, Boise State, Houston. You know, they played they played Wisconsin closer than most teams do from a statistical standpoint and a point standpoint. I mean, they they had a good you know they they had a good run with some good opportunities and and you saw the program continue to advance. They just didn't get the ball bounced their way a couple of times and they didn't make a couple of plays that would have turned it from a good to a great season. Trevor Maddich of ESPN, college football expert, joining on BYU Sports Nation. It is a Maddich Monday. Trevor, BYU and Washington, they, they match up as official in the Fight Hunger Bowl on December 27th in San Francisco. Why is this a good game for college football fans to watch? Well, it'll be exciting to start with. I mean, these are two very good teams. And you've got some unknown X-factors coming in on the Washington side because their coach, former BYU quarterback Steve Sarkeesian, just left to be uh, uh, the head coach of USC. And one of his freshman quarterbacks that came to Washington specifically to be coached by Sarkeesian tweeted out the statement to the extent that he's as fake as a $3 bill. Because he what? said, hey, we're going to be here together when he recruited him, right? Well, that's not fair by that freshman because it, this is a business, and it's perfectly legitimate for Sarkeesian to do what he did. But you've got a team out there at Washington that may come in disheartened because their coach is gone, or they may come in fired up to prove that they don't need that guy anyway, that they're going to win anyway. And you don't know which of those dynamics will be in play when the Huskies take the field. So there's a bit of an unknown factor that will make this game fun as well. I know we'll dig into this in the weeks to come, but your initial thoughts on BYU facing the uh, eighth-ranked total offense and then Bishop Sankey, one of the best running backs in the country. 
Yeah, you know, Keith Price gets – he's quarterback for Washington. He gets overlooked a bit because the Pac-12 in the last several years have had some fantastic quarterbacks, including Andrew Luck. And, you know, they just, they're just – those guys get all the – the publicity, the Oregon quarterbacks, Marcus Mariota most recently. So nobody talks about Keith Price. But Keith Price is actually terrific. He's mobile. He's accurate. He's got tremendous football intelligence. And when he's healthy, he's really hard to stop. But Bishop Sankey is a running back. I mean, I looked at some tape on him earlier this year, and he reminded me of a soccer player. Yes, I said soccer player. When you look at the the best soccer scores in the world, guys like Ronaldo and Messi and guys like that, you see them on penalty kicks. That They're just them and the goalkeeper, and that's it. Empty grass between them. And very often, you'll see that goalkeeper on one side of the net with his face in the grass and the ball going in on the other side of the net. Well, you'll see Bishop Sankey do that to tacklers in the open space, where it's not like he puts his foot in the ground and runs through an arm tackle. He'll make a little tiny move that's hard to see, and the defender will end up on the ground on one side of the field while Sankey runs by him on the other side untouched. So this guy will be an absolute uh, load when you get to him, but getting to him to start with, with both your feet on the ground, is a lot easier said than done. Trevor Maddich, ESPN College Football Expert, joining BYU Sports Nation. Trevor, let's look at the the sport from a national landscape now. You have Florida State and Auburn in the national championship is is Auburn the team of destiny? It would certainly seem that way uh, watching what's happened over the past few weeks and then Ohio State losing to Michigan State, giving the Tigers an opportunity to play in the national championship. What do you think? Yeah, team of destiny, I think that uh, that understates it. If there's some way to overstate the word destiny, the the Auburn, you know, every team that wins a national championship has lucky moments. I mean, we had it in 1984 at BYU, at Hawaii, a couple of lucky moments, for goodness sake, and then a couple of fantastic plays that would be very difficult to repeat to beat Hawaii that day and keep our undefeated streak alive. Well, you look at the the famous play now for Auburn to keep them alive in this streak was that field goal return with no time remaining against Alabama for 109 yards that won the game. But really the biggest miracle was the Georgia win because Auburn was trailing in that game. They threw what amounted to a Hail Mary, but it was actually a terrible throw. It was a terrible decision by the quarterback to put it where he put it. Actually, there were two terrible decisions that the Auburn quarterback made before he even threw the ball. And then the ball landed right on top of one of the defenders without the receiver close enough to make a play. And that darn defender tipped the ball up in the air, and the receiver ended up catching it and running for a touchdown. Now that was not a team making a play at an opportune moment from Auburn's standpoint. That was just a pure-out, flat-out miracle. Somewhere, there, this, is, this is, you know, if you want evidence that miracles happen, you know, this is one of them. Now, having said that, it makes Auburn believe. And Auburn thinks they are a team of destiny. And if they believe it, then they'll prepare differently. They'll play a little bit differently. And that's one of the reasons I think so many close games have come their way. They've won, I think, four or five games this year in the last minute, of, minute and a half of the game. And you have to believe a lot more than just play well in order for those things to happen. So who wins the game? And I haven't decided yet. That's a good question. But I want you to keep this in mind, that the Auburn offense, which put about 300 rushing yards on Alabama and over 500, I think, on, on Missouri, that rushing offense gets a lot of publicity for having a lot of eye candy before the snap, and even eye candy after the snap, where they have different motions and fakes and false reads and all kinds of things that they do. But at the point of attack, it's really just an old-school Alabama-style pound-you-in-the-mouth offense. When all is said and done with the eye candy, they'll pull two offensive linemen into the hole and lead with a fullback, and you have to stand up to that kind of pressure over and over again. And what Missouri tried to do was put their linebackers deep and have them rally to the ball whenever they finally figured out where the ball was, and rally they did. But when they got to the point of attack, they ran into blockers that they could not defeat. And so the the story of this game, in my opinion, on the Auburn offense side of the ball will be, can the Florida State defense handle the blockers, just the flat-out, one-on-one, man-to-man, in-your-face blockers of the Auburn offense? Because it will come down to a very physical game there. There are some juicy matchups in uh, the college football bowl season, better than I can remember in recent past. One that sticks out to me in particular is Texas and Oregon in the Alamo Bowl. BYU handled Texas early in the season. Do the Longhorns have a shot against a high-powered offense like Oregon? 
I think I think the Longhorns are going to have a a very exciting view of uh, a huge output by the Oregon offense. What's going to happen? I mean, they'll they won't need to learn the names of the Florida of the Oregon players. They'll see them on the back of their jerseys. They're running down the field. For Texas. <laughs> uh, Texas has played better in recent weeks, but Texas they're just they're just not good enough to be able to handle what Oregon does. Because remember what Texas struggled at so much early in the season, especially against BYU. And that is two things. One was having the right assignment and the right alignment. In other words, stand in the right place, look at the right guy. And a lot of BYU's big runs, the, the gates opened up without having to block anybody because they were out of position. Well, do that against Oregon, and you're dealing with guys that run 4-3 down the field. The, the second thing is poor tackling. Now, they've gotten better at both as the season went on, but they haven't been tested the way Oregon will test them uh, in that way. And so I think Texas could, uh, you know, th- this could be another bucket of worms opened up on head coach Mac Brown and a negative feel going into the offseason for the Longhorns. Now, hey, if Texas is able to, to put a speed bump in front of Oregon, play them tough, then we have a completely different issue. But it, it right now shapes up to be the worst possible matchup for Mac Brown for wanting to go into the offseason on a positive note. Former Cougar and ESPN College Football Analyst Trevor Maddich is on BYU Sports Nation. It appears that Jameis Winston will win the Heisman. Who takes second? Yeah, that's a tough one because a lot of the guys that, that we expected to be up there struggled going down the stretch. Johnny Manziel of Texas A&M lost a couple games to end the regular season. You've got Marcus Mariota hurt his knee, the Oregon quarterback, and he kind of dropped off. You've got A.J. McCarron, the Alabama quarterback, who is not the flashiest guy, but if he had had his team in position to win a third consecutive national championship game, he'd get consideration almost as a lifetime achievement award. Well, all those guys struggled and lost and played poorly and, and kind of dropped out of the race. Right now, the guy I have winning the Heisman, if I had a vote, which I don't, but if I did, the guy I have winning it over Jameis Winston is Andre Williams, the running back of Boston College. While the nation's been focused on the flashy quarterbacks at the big schools, very quietly, Williams has put together one of the greatest seasons for a running back ever. In the first 11 games, he had over 2,000 yards rushing, and there's only six players in history that have had more rushing yards after 11 games than Williams did this year. And that number 11 is important because now we have 12-game regular seasons, whereas in the past all they had was 11. And so, you know, he didn't have the support cast around him that Jameis Winston does at Florida State. And he played two defenses that are much tougher than anything Florida State has faced. Two in the top five, that's Virginia Tech and Florida State's own defense. Florida State didn't play Virginia Tech this year. So because of those reasons, I would give the Heisman to Andre Williams this year, even though Jameis Winston is fully worthy of winning the Heisman as well. Rest up, Trevor, before a dynamic college football bowl season, the last in the BCS era before the playoff system is implemented next year. We appreciate the time. All right, guys. All right, Trevor Maddich joins BYU Sports Nation every Monday. We call it Maddich Monday, and he never disappoints. What do you think about the BYU-Washington matchup in the Fight Hunger Bowl on December 27th? How many stars would you give it on a scale of 1 to 5? We'll discuss that, plus the Cougar Whip Around coming up next on BYU Sports Nation. We're all things Cougar sports after this. We'll be back with more BYU Sports Nation right after this. This is Tyler Haas, and you are in BYU Sports Nation with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Go Cougs! Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan, your things to remember from today's show. BYU football has a chance at a great season (laughs) (laughs) with nine wins if they can get past a distracted opponent in Washington. Intriguing comments from Elise Woodward, the sideline reporter for UW Football on KJR, saying that they haven't even thought about the three letters of BYU because of the Chris Peterson transition and all that stuff. So uh, very interesting stuff. And BYU hoops discussion. The Cougars cannot beat a top 25 team right now, but that doesn't mean they won't benefit from these games and figure out how to do it later on down the line. I think that is how I feel. Also... Some great stuff going on in the other sports across BYU Sports Nation. And on that note, let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Cougars in the NFL. Dennis Pitta plays it, played his first game of the season yesterday after a preseason hip dislocation. 
He caught six passes for 48 yards and a touchdown in the Ravens' 29-26 win yesterday. Austin Colley also re-signed by the Patriots, caught a pass for four yards yesterday in the Patriots' victory. And Ziggy Ansah had three tackles in the Lions' loss to the Eagles. Ziggy suffered a shoulder injury in the second half. Women's Volleyball. The BYU Sports Nation karma continues. Coming off a Friday game day appearance on the show from the beaches of Hawaii, women's volleyball coach Sean Olmstead and his team beat Arizona State in five sets on Friday, then swept 11th-ranked Hawaii on their home floor to advance to the Sweet 16 for yeah. back-to-back seasons. The Cougars, coincidentally, will face USC once again in the Sweet 16 on Friday. The Trojans ranked number 6. Women's basketball. UA snapped Creighton's 15-game home win streak on Saturday, winning 52-51, a close one. Jennifer Hampson at 20 points, 13 boards, 5 block shots. She's 6'7". BYU also got 19 points from Lexi Eaton. They travel to Weber State tomorrow. Swimming and diving. Two records falling this weekend in Texas as freshman Lucas Aquino and junior Hayden Palmer broke BYU records for the 200 fly and the 400 individual medley this weekend at the Texas Invite. So, Jerem, uh, looking at Cougars in the NFL, would you say that Dennis Pitta had a great performance or just a good performance? No, it was good. You know what great would be? What? 100 yards, two <laughs> touchdowns. He gets our rise and shout. Dennis Pitta gets the rise and shout uh, for that performance following hip dislocation. We thought he was going to be out for the year. He comes back very influential in a win for the Ravens, whose playoff Hopes are still alive because of that win. So you wouldn't say that's great with all of the background of Dennis Pitta coming no, back? No, 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 no. Listen, you have to save room for great. <laughs> that's amazing, you can't just... though. Amazing is above great, right? No, ama- Oh, my gosh. No. <laughs> no, I'm only... I'm not working with amazing. I'm not... I'm working with general adjectives, not specific adjectives. Here we go with grammar again. When no one s- wants to hear this. Let's you, move on. When you say you're not working with, with great, does that mean you're, you're talking about me? Are you saying I'm not great? Listen, I'm not going to say the show is great every day. I'm going to say, hey, it was, it was good, very good, or great. Let's, let's leave some room for great. I like your emotion. You know what I'm doing? I'm getting emotion out of you. I just don't want to come off as annoyed all the time. I, th- <laughs> I think that that vibe is coming through. I'm not, I'm not constantly annoyed, I promise. I'm a positive person. Did, how did I introduce you to the show today? Did I call you a good dude? Yes, you, you I did. did. Thank yes, you. I did. And I still believe it. How many stars and that's do you why in our, in our Instagram video, I threw a bunch of <laughs> mini basketballs at you. If you're not watching that every day, you should. Please, please do so. We're making an effort to try and be creative every day on the show. Follow at BYU Sports Nation on Instagram. Or follow us on Twitter. You'll see it every day. How many stars do you give the Fight Hunger Bowl matchup with Washington final poll results on BYUTVSports.com? I'm going to say four. I'm going to say four. Did four win? Did four win? Four won. 48%. Thanks to our guest today, Elise Woodward, Trevor Maddich, and everyone on our crew, producer Ben Bagley, senior coordinating producer Michael Miner, station manager Don Chaline, production assistants Alan Miller, Spencer King, Sam Hancock, and uh, Spencer King actually ran the board today, so nice job. boy, Spencer King. Check out our new BYU Sports Nation Facebook page for show links and much more. You can also listen to episodes of the show on demand at byuradio.org. Don't forget the rebroadcast each day, 5 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Eastern on BYU Radio. For the amazing, not great, amazing <laughs> Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton, and you have just listened to BYU Sports Nation. Go sports.